You can start recording. Did you start? No, hold it to your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? No. No? Okay, we're going to start anyway. So much in life is scripted, but this is unedited. Listen in as we have casual conversations about art and faith. Welcome to Unedited. This is Jennifer Chetlett. Um, Farley is not with us today, but I have a um, co-host and another uh, sidekick. We don't have Bowie with us this time, but we have Pixel, my dog. Um, So, and I'll introduce my co-host in just a minute, but we are doing another field trip episode. Um, I am in Nashville right now and um, went to see a really great exhibit today. Um, So earlier this spring, we we recorded uh, our Othering podcast, which we have mentioned on every episode this year since then. So I'm keeping the streak going. Um, And in this like sub-series of field trips, we're trying to... um, spotlight uh, artists of color female artists um all all of that and uh what the exhibit we saw today um is these artists are both well one of them is both um but i'm going to introduce my co-host so you've heard me mention her a lot just she doesn't listen to my podcast so she has no idea what i've said about her but i am recording today with my daughter naomi um so welcome naomi Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Okay, so um, you've heard me talk about her. She is starting her junior year at Belmont University. Something like that. Yeah. Um, what are you studying? I'm studying faith and social justice as well as entrepreneurship. I'm going to be poor for a really long time. Yeah. I am super interested in the arts. I want to work in mission work and humanitarian work and just surround myself with really cool people okay well that sounds like a good life plan okay so admittedly done lots of things wrong as a parent but one of the things that I think maybe I did pretty well you grew up going to lots of art galleries we did that a lot oh yeah every city we've ever visited visited was for um for vacation or for vacation or or for sports any city we would go to the art museum yeah there so you grew up seeing a lot of art yeah yeah Yeah. I don't know is that good is that bad no it's good I consider myself a self-titled art snob now though oh because you've seen it yes I have even my freshman year of college I called myself that who has real art in her dorm room right and Cameron you get things to beep today we have a (laughs) we have a college student on with us (laughs) I don't think your brother appreciated the art galleries as much, maybe. No. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. No? I don't think he hated his time, but I think he was just a little bit more fast-paced and didn't want to... Right. He also has real art hanging in his apartment, though, thanks to me. Right. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay, so we're out here uh, moving you back in, getting you ready for school, and you told me about this exhibit... Um, this the, the exhibit we went to see was at the Frist Museum in Nashville. Um, it's an exhibit of Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Um, so I was really excited to... Uh, as well as other uh, right, modern Mexican artists. Right, 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 yeah. 
Um, so it was fun to do that today uh, in the midst of putting together furniture. Yes, it was a nice break to just walk around and not be carrying things. <laughs> yes, very true, very true. Um, so I, you've been to the Frist before. I had not. Um, a little uh, about the Frist Museum. Uh, it was formerly known as First Center for the Visual Arts, which reminds me a lot of um, the Visual Arts Center we have in Richmond. Um, it's uh, an art exhibition hall in Nashville. It's housed in the city's historic U.S. Post Office building, which is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And is also kind of random. Okay, but that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't... Do you have a bunch of other art museums? I know you do on your campuses, but is this the big art museum in this town? This is the art museum. This... There are some independent galleries. Mm-hmm. There's one in the lobby of a hotel okay. that just about everyone who goes to school in Nashville has been to at least once because it's really fun and kind of odd. But this is a music city. This is not an art city. Okay. All right. Um, so compare it to the VMFA. I was spoiled yeah. growing up in Richmond. All of my friends in Richmond, you're spoiled. The VMFA is amazing. The Frist is also good, but when I first visited maybe a year ago, I compared it to a mixture between the VMFA and the Visual Arts Center. Not Are there like working studios up there? I think there are working studios. I know that there are classrooms. Okay, the VMFA has that too though. But this is about it's about 50-50. Okay. Most, it all se- of the upstairs is all classrooms, offices. It seemed offices. a lot smaller. It seemed a lot smaller than the VMA. It is a lot smaller. Okay. And I don't know if the Frist has a permanent collection. I've never seen it. Interesting. It usually has two exhibits going, one okay. upstairs and one downstairs, and okay. then everything else is classrooms and offices. Okay. It's a cool building. It is a cool building. I like the building. Um, okay. So, this exhibit... Um, like Naomi said, it's uh, Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera. It's Me- Mexican modernism from the Jacques and Natasha Gelman collection, and she'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but the exhibition, and this is just from their website, captures the vitality and expressive expressiveness of 20th century Mexican art with iconic works by Frida Kahlo, her husband Diego Rivera, and their contemporaries. Oh, I'm going to butcher these names. Maybe I should just let you read them. <laughs> Uh, Manuel Alvarez, Bravo, Maria. Mm-hmm. Izquierdo. Oh, good. Okay. Jose Clemente Orzoco. I don't know how you say that. David Alfaro Siqueiros. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so there's uh, like 150 works. Um, there's seven self, self-portraits self by Kahlo. Um, and uh, Rivera's Calalili Vendor. And... Um, a bunch of portraits of, of the Gelmans, 50 photographs. Um, it's really, it's really quite an impressive collection. I thought I had never seen that much of her work in one place before. Oh, no. And it was fun to see her clothes too. It was cool to see her that, clothes. That was really, um, that was really fun. Okay. So let's talk about this collection a little bit. Um, the, the Gelmans, Natasha, and what was his name? Jacques. Jacques Gelman. They um, both are Eastern European, mm-hmm. but met in Mexico. Um, Jacques, the husband... They got married in Mexico, didn't they? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. He, The reason he went to Mexico, he was pursuing a career as a movie producer. Um, 
and at that time it was Mexico's golden age of cinema hmm. and he apparently made the comedic actor Mario Moreno into a big star his character is Cantinflas um who is beloved by much of the Spanish speaking world they got married in the early 40s and I think how they started their collection was he commissioned a full portrait of his wife from Diego Rivera about 2 years after they got married. Okay. But the, so they were big art collectors. They were. They they have a bigger collection than this one I read which was all Eastern European art. Interesting. Which is spans much larger than their Mexican modernism collection, but this one has become much more well-known because it's harder to come by. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, so, yeah, this is quite a collection they have. So let's talk a little bit about um, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, who are the kind of the um, highlights of, of this collection. So Farley and I have talked about one of the things we complain about is that there are in in art history, in pop culture, we only ever talk about the same 10 artists all the time. Frida Kahlo is probably the only woman who's included in that list. She, maybe Georgia O'Keeffe. Maybe Georgia O'Keeffe, yeah. Um, and Frida Kahlo didn't really become known until the 70s. Um, well, even then, all anyone knows about her is that she had a unibrow. Which is... <laughs> which is a dumb thing to go okay, by. Okay, and her mustache. But all right, can okay. we talk about that for a minute? Because you and I are both like... Mediterranean women. I yeah. so appreciate. I wish I could embrace it. That she celebrates it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you and I know. Life would be easier. Wouldn't it? It's like a part time job. Oh, yeah. Managing mm-hmm. facial hair. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I really appreciate that she just yeah. embraced it. And it, it actually has become like, I mean, people didn't have brands back then, but it's. Oh, like, it's her brand. It's her brand. It's her brand. And she wears it well. And mm-hmm. I so appreciate that. Um, so, Frida Kahlo, most people know her from the movie Frida that Selma Hayek was in. Have you seen that? No. No, it was pretty good. It came out a while ago. Um, she was born in 1907 and died in 1954, so she had a pretty short life. Um, she started painting um, after she was in an accident uh, and was in bed. She was bedridden. She had, I think she was impaled. Um, mm-hmm. she, has, she has quite a story. Uh, and so she she painted herself. She just kept painting herself um, while in bed. That's, that's really where that started. Um, her style, you can spot, I can spot a Frida Kahlo anywhere. Like, you can tell it was painted by her. Yeah. Um, her paintings are really colorful. Um, they're kind of flat looking. A um, lot of symbolism. Um so yeah, her her work is really beautiful, and um, I think she's self-taught. Yeah, and actually to interject, um, the iconic clothing that you see in her paintings and that we got to see today, mm. I read that part of she adopted that style, both by the suggestion of her husband mm-hmm. because it was more of a traditional garb for where they were but also because the clothes were so loose and flowy that it helped to cover and was also comfortable on her broken and healing body right yeah yeah no well then it also kind of became a statement i think against um against like america and 
the that culture. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think she she embraced it um, for those reasons too. She um, joined the Communist Party, I think, in the twenties um, or maybe early thirties. So she there was a lot of politics in her work, and, and we'll talk about that later. She also um, painted a lot about her life. Um, she had at least one, maybe two miscarriages, um, but she she painted about. Um, the things that happened to her, uh, and they're really moving, um, tragic events. Um, and, and they show up in her, her paintings a lot of times in symbolism, uh, sometimes in like, um, you can we saw today some of the, she tried printmaking and she did some. I saw a collage. Yeah. She did more than what most people know her for. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She really was, um. Remarkable, a remarkable artist. And a piece that she did in the early 30s, mm-hmm. where um, that was around the time that she started traveling for her, her art, both mm-hmm. her and her husband. Yeah, they moved to um, San Francisco. They, they, they spent they, a lot of time in New York. Okay. I'm not sure where they moved, uh-huh. but one of the pieces that caught my eye was, it's called The Sun Peeks Through the Window. Mm-hmm. It was in 1932. It's pencil and colored pencil on paper, it's basically a sketched outline of what she saw from her window in New York. Mm. There's almost zero color in it. Mm-hmm. Some things are labeled in the Spanish colors. But what was interesting to me was when any American, and even people from other countries, think of New York City, they think of the lights, even before all of Times Square and the mm-hmm. advertisements, they think big buildings, mm-hmm. big sky, lots of lights, lots of people. And this was all almost black and white. The buildings weren't even shaded in. And it kind of showed how she viewed New York and also maybe how she viewed the rest of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything was empty and mm on the description of it it she indicated the drab colors of her environment and she kind of was just trying to show the industrialization and how it wasn't all it's cracked up to be in comparison with the vibrant life of mexico interesting yeah um i think i said earlier that that she was relatively unknown until the 70s um, by the 90s, the 1990s, she had become uh, a recognized figure in art history, but also regarded as an icon for Chicanos, uh, the feminist movement, and the LGBT movement. Um, and she's been celebrated internationally as uh, emblematic of Mexican national and indigenous traditions, uh, and by feminists for what is seen as its uncompromising depiction of the female experience and form. And that's from wikipedia um so i didn't realize that that the lgbt movement had also kind of claimed her i i know she i mean i know enough about her story she um one of, what did we see we saw something that said she was a bohemian which oh is, because she was holding a cigarette yeah, which was a symbol of being a, a bohemian. bohemian but in a lot of those paintings and photographs she's holding a cigarette right um which is really interesting uh, I don't know. She's just a fascinating woman who wasn't bound by, um, like, systems or structures. I mean, even though I think she was Catholic, I, I would guess she was Catholic, um, but or at least uh, certainly raised in that tradition or exposed to that tradition. Um, 
but she wasn't she wasn't bound by any of that and i think that's what made her such a, a revolutionary figure in the art in the art world especially as a woman especially and as a woman of color um so if you think about what was happening in art history who her contemporaries were picasso matisse like all of that what was going on in europe at the time um she was doing something different and i love that about her um okay so it's interesting because at the time, her husband overshadowed her, Diego Rivera. Right, with was, his murals. Was bigger than her. But history, I think, remembers her more than him. Yes, I think history remembers her as an artist more. I think at the time, her husband was more of, I don't want to say a politician, but almost. Because that's what he used his work for. That's what he used his big murals for. Yeah. Where, um, Which, you know, Picasso did that too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I do. You, what do you know about him? What do you know about Diego Rivera? Anything? I know that he was also a communist. Mm-hmm. I Easy. know that um, he was one of the artists that was enlisted by the government after Mexico's civil war uh-huh. from nineteen ten to nineteen twenty. Yeah. And what they wanted to do was get these male painters to mm-hmm. paint murals on mm-hmm. public buildings that more than just art lovers would understand Mm -hmm. that people walking by could say oh i know what this means and so he was one of the leading people in murals at the time Hmm. um so we talk a lot about artists and their their faith uh so i'm I'm reading uh rivera rivera was an atheist um he did a mural called dreams of a sunday in the alameda um, and there was a sign in it that said, God does not exist. And this caused like an outrage and, uh, Rivera refused to move that inscription. Um, the painting wasn't shown for nine years until Rivera agreed to remove the inscription. And he stated, um, to affirm God does not exist. I do not have to hide behind, uh, I don't know who this is, Don Ignacio Ramirez. He said, I'm an atheist and I consider religions to be a form of collective neurosis. Hmm. So, um, yeah, he was really outspoken. He was mostly known as a, a mural artist. Um, y- you were, like, immediately drawn to the calla lily painting of his. Um, could, tell, tell me why. Honestly, I wish it was profound. I saw it because I have seen so many cheap okay. recreations uh-huh. of this yeah. in mexican restaurants okay and i have seen <laughs> honestly i've seen just copies of it that of the calla were just done poorly yeah yeah and to be able to see it in its grandeur mm-hmm. how, and how big it was and mm-hmm. kind of in a similar style to Kahlo's. not there's not a ton of depth in the colors of the painting but they're all bold enough that you understand what's happening so I actually like, I think her work is more interesting than his uh, overall. I'm, Visually, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, well, how do you disagree? I think to the collective viewer, uh-huh. people might be able to get more from a painting that isn't a portrait. So I read one third of her work is self-portraits. Right. Which is a lot, actually. Yeah. That's a, a, That's lot, a lot to be painting yourself. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You also yeah. have to be really secure to do that, which is awesome. Yeah, which she clearly was. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I just, I guess I feel like she, because of when she worked, had so much, and knowing just a tiny little bit about her life, she had so much more to overcome. He was born to a well-to-do family. I just read that, too. Really? Um, Yeah. Uh, I don't think she was poor. No, I don't think she was poor either. Her father, which we found out, was a, emigrated from... Um, Germany. Germany. She doesn't look German at all. No, she does not. (laughs) And I think two of her sisters also married white men, which I don't know if that's a trend or peculiar, but she fully embraced her. Her Mexican heritage. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just feel like she had more to overcome as a person than he did because she was a woman during that time. I mean, because that, you know, if you think about like what was happening globally like women were just starting to get their voice really that early 1900s it was just the whisper yeah and so i don't know i i guess maybe that's why i'm more impressed with her plus they had like a um tumultuous relationship they like when we get me started it's like, a, it's like a like a okay uh perhaps like a telenovela um they were both unfaithful to each other they divorced well so the first time when they divorced mm-hmm. What is thought to be the cause of that was he had a an affair with her sister. Yeah. There are lots of paintings of her. He did lots of paintings of she her. She ended up rekindling her relationship with her sister and then also with Diego. Uh-huh. They ended up getting remarried. But and then all of them lived, lived together, together. <laughs> which I'm sorry. I The only way I can describe that is that's some freaky. I think it's great. I, I don't know. I, I appreciate messy lives. I appreciate them as I get older. Um, you know, they all kind of worked it out. Um, okay, so that's just sort of like the surface of Diego Rivera. Um, I, researching for this, I realized this could be like a multi-part podcast. Mm-hmm. There's so much here to talk about. Um, but I, I did want to touch on some of the other artists uh, who were there because they were really good. I really loved some of the photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize um, who's who's um, was it her father? Was it yes, her father was a photographer, right? And so there were some beautiful pictures by mm-hmm. him. That was kind of fun to see. Was it was his name Guillermo Kello? I don't have to look it up. We'll fact we'll fact check that. But um, her, so her father mm-hmm. was a photographer. And then there were some other really lovely, mo- a lot of photographs, but some lovely work by other Mexican mm-hmm. artists, which I'm so glad they included. Did you have any? Okay, I know you don't want to talk about it. You were immediately drawn to this big painting called Id, which was beautiful. Yes, it was. The colors in it were really soothing. It was by Gunther Gerso. Mm-hmm. Which does not sound like a Mexican name. Right. That's not the Mexican way to say it. Right. The Spanish way to say it. Right. But it's called id, and it's oil and sand on canvas. Mm. The top part of it has a blue pigment to it with a piece that's blended with white, mm-hmm. which covers two-thirds of it. And then the bottom part has a more rigid shape that's almost a yellow. Mm-hmm. And... It's named id after the Freud's idea of the human psyche of our id, our superego, and our ego. And the id is our 
deepest level of unconscious. It's what we do instinctually. The superego is the critical and it kind of takes care of our morals. And then our ego is what mediates between the two. And I kind of, even though this piece was just called id, I kind of saw it in those three parts of handling the balance between a human's id, superego, and ego. So it had the three colors. It did have the three colors, and the shapes of them lended themselves to that okay. idea. All right. I didn't say this to you earlier because I'm your mother, and it might have made you feel uncomfortable. Some of the shapes in it were kind of phallic. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? In this one, they were a little bit. Okay. But it's Freud, so... Right. That yeah. would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, so I originally kind of wanted to, to talk a little bit about the politics that were happening because they were um, so, uh, they were really in, in all of her work, um, and they're often overshadowed because of the... Um, the narrative, like the dramatic narrative of her life with Diego Rivera, um, but she joined. Yeah, she joined the Communist Party in the 1920s. Remained involved in anti-imperialist politics her Which, entire life. Do we know how big the Communist Party was in Mexico? Well, if you think about like in Cuba, I mean, so right. so that was the fear. Like that was the fear of World War II was that everything was going to become communist. Right. That's like. After you know, after World War One, and they in Mexico remained neutral in World War One, um, and also they had their own civil war. They did, yeah, they did. Um, so, but that was the fear, you know, and the the build up to World War Two was that everything was going to become communist, um, and so you know, it, a lot of artists and uh, Bohemian people embraced it. I mean, because. You know, if you look at the artists in Europe at the time and right. in, in Mexico, and then even here, there was the whole blacklist and ho- a lot of Hollywood embraced right. communism. So it really was a um, a global um, thing that that really I think was pretty uh, prevalent in the the arts, um, and that's probably a whole other conversation. But um, she. She was definitely uh, outspoken um, about her politics in her art, and I think we lose sight of that um, be- because of the, you know, romantic drama. Um, but she really does criticize the American lifestyle um, in her art, uh, in her symbolism, and all of that. So, um, yeah. So we kind of touched on it. it, it there really is a, a lot in the 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 history of Mexico. And I think the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because um, with the current debate about immigration, um, we forget, we forget about Mexico's long history and struggle right. as, as a country. And I don't know, I, I think, I think we're not, you know, we're not always good neighbors, um, but, but the country really has a, a rich history and the people um, the people have offered so much to culture globally. Right, and uh, their country has been working hard since it was started. They have never really had a time of, okay, we're doing great, let's rest for a bit. They've been, well, they've, they've just been trying. Been there for 
thousands of years. Right. Like it's not, you know, we're, we also we're, forget we're late. We're such a young country. We are. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I loved seeing more, um, Mexican artists. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, um, yeah, we hear about Frida Kahlo, sometimes Diego Rivera, but it was so great to see more than that um, today. So anyway, I don't know. This this could go on and on, but maybe we need a whole episode just on communism. But oh no, no 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 <laughs> politics. No, Farley and I have like we really we really try to stay away from politics. Um, oh, we only talk about them in the context of art. Okay. Because it's, it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, nobody wants that. Really. That's not who we are. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. You're going to go back to the Frist? Yeah. Yeah? I get in for free on Thursdays, so sure. Oh, okay. Shoot. We should have gone on a Thursday. We had to pay for you. Okay. They have a nice gift shop, too. They do have a nice gift I shop. I love a museum gift shop. Yeah. They're the best. I've been in a lot of those, too. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's what you get when you grow up in my house. But, um, but yeah, okay, any other thoughts, any other closing thoughts on this exhibit? Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. All right, good. Well, thank you for um, doing this with me. I know you were reluctant. You were a reluctant participant in this podcast, but thank Thanks you. Thanks for tolerating me. No, you did great. You gave Cameron things to beep out. He loves that. That's You're welcome, his, Cameron. That's his favorite thing he's told me. So anyway, see if I can remember how to sign off because it's been a while because we're on a little hiatus this summer. We will be back this fall. Um, But thank you for listening. Uh, If you would like to reach out to us, please email us at podcast at worldhorizonsusa.org. If you have questions, comments, or show ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you like this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Uh, You can leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That will help other people find us. And thanks. We will be back. Thanks for listening to Unedited. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Gallery Edit in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at podcast at worldhorizonsusa.org.